It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. Who, by the way, DraftKings totally dominates now when it comes to daily fantasy. Just dominates. Awesome. Love it. Love DraftKings. Love social media. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and even Facebook. So no matter what social platform you're on, you can follow me there. Hopefully most of the tweets or posts are interesting. A lot of food, beer. Everybody likes those. Maybe not, but you like looking at them. Uh, This show is at Ross Tucker Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. That's where we post like the best two or three clips of every episode. That's Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, College Draft. Of course, Andrew Brand's Business of Sports. And here, the Fantasy Feast. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL is where you can watch the show or see those highlight clips. The star of this show is the fantasy gangsta, Joe Dolan, at FG underscore Dolan. Love me some Joe Dolan. Love me some lessons learned, fantasy lessons learned from the season. I guess, though, before we get into that, Joe, how closely are you monitoring these offensive coordinator hires, and how important are they to really – study and how much of a difference does it make i'm asking you three questions at once i tell yeah. you to never do that how much of are are of a difference does it make if it's someone that has a track record like jim bob cooter versus someone that doesn't like drew peltzing uh with the cardinals so let's start with number one sure like i prefer obviously guys who have a track record um i think you can get yourself completely twisted into a pretzel if you try to get somebody who doesn't have a track record calling plays and I think one of the big keys here is like there's a difference between an offensive coordinator who calls plays and one who doesn't obviously you know for somebody like Eric Bieniemy, who's obviously moving on to Washington to kind of do his own thing um whatever the whatever the merits or reasons of that are um, which is certainly a topic for the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Um, sometimes you 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 have to take a step back a little bit when it's an offensive coordinator who, again, like in Arizona, where Arizona hired a defensive minded head coach and Jonathan Gannon, and you know the offensive coordinator is going to call plays. It becomes a much more important hire, especially though if that guy doesn't have a track record. I try not to go too nuts. You look into that guy's background, but you have to understand. Coaches do adapt themselves to their personnel. So it's not necessarily true that a coach is going to go to a new spot and do the exact same thing. Uh, We've already talked on this podcast. It would be foolish to assume that Sean Payton is going to go to Denver and do the same things that he did in New Orleans because Russell Wilson and Drew Brees are drastically different players. So they're not going to be able to do some of the same things. But then you look at a guy like Kellen Moore, And we've discussed Kellen Moore, his track record. Dak Prescott, generally, one of the quarterbacks in the NFL in Kellen Moore's tenure as the offensive coordinator in Dallas, 
somebody who has averaged some of the longest down the field average depth of target in the NFL. And when you look at that with a guy like Justin Herbert, who has the skill set to fit that kind of offense, and a guy in Justin Herbert who's coming off of a coach in Joe Lombardi, who has a history of having big arm quarterbacks average far fewer depth of target than you you typically um, would see, that's when I start to pique my interest. I try not to wrap myself into a pretzel to break down coaches we don't know a whole lot about. For somebody in Philadelphia now, I don't think Philadelphia has officially made Brian Johnson their offensive coordinator yet. Uh, He's going to be. Um, You see the fact that they're probably going to try to keep the same system that they've had in place. So for guys who are promoted internally, maybe some things go a little bit by the wayside. Buffalo's offense didn't operate at the highest potential level, or at least the level we saw under Brian Dable than it did under Ken Dorsey, but the offense looked similar. So there's all kinds of layers for the offensive coordinators that uh, you break down. For me, trying to twist myself around to say, oh, this guy who's 35 years old and has never called plays in a peewee game, let alone an NFL game, I know exactly what he's going to do. I I can't do that. I don't know enough to say that. And then there's a guy like Jim Bob Cooter who has a track record, but Steich is going to be calling the plays in Indy. So I don't know if it's irrelevant, but – it's not really that big a deal. Well, it gives you a good it gives you good experience, you know, in that building. You know, Frank Reich, I believe, said he's going to call the plays in Carolina as well. But of course, Frank Reich, when he went to Indianapolis, Doug Peterson was the play caller uh in uh in in Philadelphia before Frank Reich moved on to Indianapolis. So guys, I think Jim Bob Cooter is going to be like Shane Steichen was in Philly. Steichen called the plays in Philly, but part of the game planning, he's going to be Steichen's right hand man. Also, Ross. One of my favorite Spoonerisms in all of football, Coot Bob Jimmer. Now, like if if you want to if you want to analyze that, that's top level Spoonerism right there, right up there with a Mertavius Larry for Latavius Murray. So uh, just just throwing that out there. I'm a big Spoonerism guy, Toss Rucker. I've never heard of Spoonerism. Really? It's uh, when you reverse like the first sound of like a name. So like you're Toss Rucker. I'm Doe Jolin. But, like, I like to get a little more creative, like Coot Bob Jimmer. And Percy Harvin is a great one, too. Harvey Person. So, there you go. Oh. So, this is off-season football talk, uh, Ross. Spoonerisms in fantasy football. I love it. I think that those – I think I probably would laugh harder. I'm I'm smiling. I think I'd probably laugh harder if I was drinking a Labatt Blue Light while you were giving me your Spoonerisms. You know, Joe, um, I might be going to a – Minor league hockey game on Sunday. Hershey Bears, pretty good chance of that. Hopefully, I'll be drinking some Labatt Blue Lights with my family because it's so nice to have a Labatt Blue Light while you're drinking beer with your family. Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly, of course. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so 
Next week, we'll get into some of the lessons that John Hansen, uh, a legend in the industry, learned from this past season. Week after that, we'll probably be able to preview free agency a little bit, which will be fun. In fact, I bet you there will already be some new news out about some of the moves that have happened. But let's let's start with your lessons learned, Joe. I mean, I we're constantly learning. We're constantly evolving as fantasy football players, as football watchers. The game is changing. Are there any things that you took away from this year that you already plan to implement next year for one reason or another? So I look at the leaderboard for the running back position. And I I look at some of the guys who were the highest scoring players at the position. Now, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, all these guys were in the top six in scoring. Okay. Those guys were all drafted within the first 20, 24 picks of fantasy drafts. So that's not that crazy. But Josh Jacobs was third overall in scoring. Ramondre Stevenson was eighth overall in scoring. Tony Pollard was ninth overall in scoring. Miles Sanders was 15th overall in scoring. And Jacobs and Sanders are two guys I really want to highlight here. David Montgomery was 24th in scoring, okay? And these guys were among running backs who were considered dead zone running backs. These are the running backs who went in in best ball drafts, fantasy drafts in general, by the end of the the draft season, where they were going in the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth round of drafts. And people didn't know what to do with them. Nobody wanted to draft them. I'll fully admit that I did not want to touch Josh Jacobs this year. Oh, the Hall of Fame game. He played in the Hall of Fame game. I'd never seen that before from a guy who was as established as Josh Jacobs. Miles Sanders, oh, he didn't score a touchdown and blah, blah, blah. He's going into the final year of his deal, and, and the Eagles couldn't can't wait to get rid of him. When I'm drafting a team this year, and wide receivers are going more or earlier and more often in the early rounds than ever before, when I'm drafting these sixth, seventh-round running backs in that range, I need to start saying to myself, especially if it's a veteran guy that people are bored of. Not why is everybody ignoring him? Because those reasons are obvious. The reasons were obvious for Josh Jacobs. The reasons were obvious for Miles Sanders, why everybody was ignoring him. I need to start asking myself, what is the best case scenario for this player? And is that going to have a 100% hit rate? Absolutely not. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was being drafted in the same range. And you could have made a similar best-case scenario, heck, an even better-case scenario for Edwards-Alaire that you could have for Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. But what's the difference between Edwards-Alaire, Josh Jacobs, and Miles Sanders? Well, in their careers, Jacobs and Sanders have proven they can play. Now, they've had some ups and downs, but they've certainly had really good moments. So if I'm sitting here... 80 picks into a draft, and a guy like Miles Sanders, who's projected to be in a pretty good offense, who has shown in the past that he can do things that translate well to the NFL and translate well to fantasy football, I need to start saying to myself, okay, everybody else is ignoring him. Where can I get an edge by deciding, you know what, this guy has a skill, and I understand why everybody's passing on him. 
But there's something to be said about somebody playing in a good offense who has proven that he can play in the past and his cost is completely suppressed. And that is a big lesson to take away. Why, if these guys are falling, we know the why they're falling. The reasons are obvious. But what's the flip side? Can I, can I convince myself the other argument? And with Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders, if you manage to talk yourself into the opposite, you want a lot of money this year playing fantasy football. That's interesting. Gosh, I remember thinking that maybe he was on the outs in with the Raiders when he played in the Hall of Fame. And then didn't he lead the NFL in rushing? You gotta be. Yeah. When's the last time a guy played in the Hall of Fame game and then led the NFL in rushing? It may be a rookie if a rookie led rushing uh, a, a number of years ago, but that 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 would require a, a perfect confluence of circumstances where they're one of the two teams scheduled to play in the Hall of Fame game. You know, so. That's the thing I want to ask, you know, even like guys coming off an injury, like a Javante Williams, who currently carries, I believe, like a sixth round ADP, J.K. Dobbins, you know, Cam Akers, guys like this, who are different than Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders last year. But these guys, these these uncertain offenses, you know, Baltimore hired a new offensive coordinator, sixth, seventh round. Okay, what's the best case scenario? I'm not trying to say, oh, you've got to go into your best ball drafts and you've got to have J.K. Dobbins on every team. Not saying that. Just saying, try to talk yourself into the best case scenario. And maybe you're going to find an edge that somebody else doesn't have. Interesting. Yeah, you know, it's funny. To anything else in hindsight, you almost forget where these guys are being drafted. And you think, yeah, Josh Jacobs, yeah, Miles Sanders. And you don't realize, whoa, they were not considered real high coming into the year. It's a good point, Joe. What else is fascinating about them, by the way, after Aaron Jones took a $5 million pay cut, is all these guys, Saquon and Jacobs and Miles, they're all going to be free agents. I don't really know how much money they're going to get or where they're going to end up. You know, there might be a scenario here. I think everybody in Philadelphia, for instance, expects Miles Sanders is gone. And, you know, you see that Kenny Gainwell outplayed him in the playoffs. And that's certainly reason to believe that. And Howie Roseman's the kind of guy who I think would be of the school of thought, hey, hey, we drafted Miles Sanders highly. He gave us four pretty solid years of football, but what we're going to do is we're going to spend a third-round pick on his replacement, and and we're going to keep churning that wheel. But what if Miles Sanders doesn't find the market? What if Josh Jacobs doesn't find the market that he's looking for, and these guys have to settle for a big-money one-year deal? Um, I think teams are probably more amenable to signing a guy to a big-money one-year deal than paying a long-term contract for a running back. So there's a chance, Miles Sanders, who, by the way, in early best ball drafts, is going in the seventh, eighth round again because of his uncertain situation. I I would say there's a non-zero chance that, I don't want to say tail between his legs, he's had a great season, but that he decides, you know what, I'm going to make more money here, I'll just go year by year, and we'll go back and try to win a championship. So I think there's a chance that those guys who are free agents also end up coming back on a bigger money one-year deal. All right. What other lessons did we learn, Joe? All right. So I'm looking at the top 20 wide receivers from a fantasy perspective in total fantasy points. I have in tw- in, in total fantasy points among wide receivers, I have two Dolphins, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I've got two Eagles, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, both of whom actually finished. Uh, both Hill and Waddle and Brown and Smith each finished in the top 10 in total fantasy point scoring. I have two Bengals, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. I have two Seahawks, 
Lockett and Metcalf. And I have two Buccaneers, Evans and Godwin. That is five teams have two receivers in the top 20 in total fantasy point scoring in PPR. And I think one of the lessons here is I'd rather draft the number two receiver from a good offense than a number one receiver from a bad one. And now Michael Pittman was the overall number 20 receiver in fantasy point scoring. But there's the perfect example. I was all in on Michael Pittman and he didn't have a terrible year. And that cold offense was worse than I thought it was going to be. But Michael Pittman was getting drafted eons before Devontae Smith was getting drafted. He was getting drafted before Jalen Waddle. He was getting drafted before Mike Evans and before Chris Godwin. These teams where people just didn't understand what to do with the wide receivers on these teams. Oh, how are these guys going to get the ball? You know, and how is Devontae Smith going to get the ball when A.J. Brown's there? How is T. Higgins going to continue to get the ball with Jamar Chase in his second season? Most NFL coaches, not all, we yelled about this with uh, with multiple coaches, but most NFL coaches will say, hey, I got good players if they have multiple good players. You know what we're going to do? We're going to throw the ball to our good players. Simple. So I'm looking at this and saying, when Darnell Mooney's getting drafted before Chris Godwin, Darnell Mooney, who I was in on, by the way, is getting drafted four rounds before Tyler Lockett. Understand that maybe these good players, even if the quarterback situation is a little up in the air, good players command the football. So I'm going to look at a situation, not just those guys right now, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, those guys are going inside the top 25 in fantasy drafts right now. People have figured that out. But let maybe go to, to a team like Washington, where I thought Jahan Dotson this year proved that he could play. Now, yeah, Washington's got an uncertain quarterback situation. It looks like maybe they're going to go with Sam Howe. Maybe they draft somebody. Maybe they sign one of these free agents. But Jahan Dotson, who right now is available 90, 100 picks into best ball drafts. Maybe I'm going to say, you know what? That guy's got pedigree. That guy's got talent. And I'm going to draft him because I expect that the commanders are going to throw the ball to their good players. Eric Bieniemy is going to understand that he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes there. So scheme up the ball, scheme up plays to get the ball to your good players. Again, just like the last argument, can this lesson learned, can this get you into trouble? Of course it can. Gabe Davis is a big example of that. I'd be remiss to point out that Gabe Davis didn't deal with a, was dealing with an ankle injury for most of the year, but of course it can get you into trouble. But you know what? I'm not going to be upset about taking a swing on Gabe Davis with Josh Allen throwing him the football as opposed to trying to talk myself in circles as to why, you know, Darnell Mooney's going to explode with Justin Fields throwing the ball. So I would take the, a really talented number two receiver on a team over a uh, solid number one on a bad team. Because Devontae Smith, who was the number two on his own team, you know what he was for your fantasy team? He was your number one. Because he was ninth overall in fantasy point scoring this year. So even as the number two fantasy scorer on his team, he was the number one for your fantasy team. Jalen Waddell, he was the number two scorer 
uh, for his own team at the wide receiver position, he was the number one on your fantasy team because of the way these teams operate. We talk about all the time when we, Ross, when we break down every game week by week, sometimes for a team like the Eagles, a team like the Bengals, I don't ever know what to say because they just get the ball to their good players. And if a coach has a track record of doing that and they have the personnel that should dictate that those things will happen, then do not underrate the number two receiver on that team because those guys can end up being league winners because their draft position is simply just suppressed because of perceived target competition that doesn't exist. That's a wild stat. I mean, there's 32 teams in the league. Yep, and, and 10 uh, of the top 20 guys come from five teams? Technically 10 of the top 19 in total fantasy points this year because T. Higgins was 19th in total fantasy points. So yes. I got to be honest with you, Joe. That's one I fail at because I almost always will take a number one mm-hmm. on a bad team over a number two elsewhere because I just think there's not enough touches, not enough, but I'm wrong. And, and and you know what, Ross? Sometimes sometimes that works out. You know, like Amari Cooper was a player who finished 10th in total scoring and nobody wanted to draft Amari Cooper for obvious reasons. Again, you have to understand these things. But there's another lesson too. You can apply that to Amari Cooper, the same lesson that I learned from the running back position. Okay, Amari Cooper was like we a seventh round pick because Deshaun Watson was suspended. Oh, Jacoby Brissett, you know, is coming in. But... In hindsight, and I was actually on Amari Cooper this year, so I wasn't on Josh Jacobs, I wasn't on Miles Sanders, but I was on Amari Cooper. Because you can look at yourself and say, okay, what's the best case scenario? We know Cooper can play. We know Amari Cooper has had big-time fantasy seasons. And, you know, Jacoby Brissetti might not be great, but we know he's played solid football. So you can apply that running back lesson to a guy like Amari Cooper. Somebody everybody's bored of. Nobody wants to deal with him. Oh, why'd the Cowboys dump him? And then all of a sudden, he's out here putting up top 10 fantasy numbers. But, yes, indeed, 19 of the top, uh, excuse me, 10 of the top 19 receivers for fantasy football came from five different teams. So, I mean, you can get a good number two receiver who can perform like a one in the middle rounds. I'm doing that every day. It is so, it is just, it's almost like a cheat code um, because you get these guys playing in good offenses with good quarterbacks, man, that was a way to win fantasy championships. Devontae Smith was on a lot of fantasy championship teams this year. Uh, Jalen Waddell was on a lot of fantasy championships, or at least fantasy contenders. Metcalf and Lockett were on a lot of contenders because those are guys who can play even in an uncertain quarterback situation. Download the app now, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and sign up with code Ross. New customers can place $5 on any pregame NBA Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code Ross. What you probably should do is get that free $150 in bonus bets and then listen to what Fezzik says on the Even Money podcast about betting the XFL because he's got a better handle on it than do the sports books. All right, do you have one more, Joe? Quarterback is predictable to an extent. The top four quarterbacks in fantasy scoring this year were Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Joe Burrow. What did those guys have in common? They were typically drafted in the first five or six quarterbacks of your drafts last offseason. But then next was Geno Smith. 
And if there is an uncertain quarterback situation on a team that has talent at the wide receiver position, Jared Goff comes to mind. Geno Smith comes to mind. To a lesser extent, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had pedigree, but he had a terrible rookie season. I think you can go with a bookend quarterback approach in your best ball drafts. Get one early, and then don't get one until really late. You could have done – do you know how much – and it makes me sick, but you know how much money you could have won by just doubling up on Geno Smith and Jared Goff in like the 17th and 18th round of your best ball drafts this past offseason? It is a disgusting amount, even if you didn't draft a quarterback early. But the thing is, the entire fantasy market now is going to understand the value of these predictable elite quarterbacks – Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, they ain't lasting 50 picks into your drafts this year. So if you want one of those guys, be prepared to invest in them. But there are going to be guys, if there's a quarterback competition out there this year, you know, one of these one of these veterans goes to a different spot. You know, Gardner Minshew goes to a spot that's got some good receivers. We'll see what happens after free agency. But those guys who people think, oh, he stinks, you know, this is a terrible quarterback situation. Those guys can have value, especially if there's great receivers where those guys are. You know, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf were two of the top 19 overall scoring fantasy wide receivers. They can't do that without the quarterback producing. And that leads me to another layer of this argument. And I want to hearken this to, let's compare Geno Smith this year to somebody like Ben Roethlisberger last year. If you'll remember, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool were both in 2021 like top 60, 70 picks in fantasy drafts. Ben Roethlisberger was like quarterback 25. So where is the disconnect? If you see something like that, where there's two receivers getting drafted in the first six or seven rounds of a draft, seven or eight rounds even, and the quarterback is going off the board, basically sometimes undrafted, something's got to give. Either you're going to be wrong about the wide receivers or you're going to be wrong about the quarterback. Now, Seattle's receivers were a little underrated this year because of the nature of the quarterback position. But DK Metcalf was still a top 50 pick. Tyler Lockett was still like a top 80 pick. So if that's the case, talk yourself into the upside of the quarterback throwing them the football. So that is certainly something. If if a receiver is going to produce those top 20 numbers, the quarterback is going to produce numbers as well. So you have to analyze what's the disconnect. Am I underrating the quarterback or am I overrating the wide receivers? Or, for instance, if there's a quarterback getting drafted early, am I overrating the quarterback or underrating the wide receivers? So there's a there's a little bit of a disconnect there um, with, with sometimes with ADP that I think we need to sort out. And I'll be interested to see how boards fall following free agency in the NFL draft because there is a good chance we're going to have multiple quarterbacks who are being underrated based on the perception of their receivers. Check him out on social media. He is an absolute stud at FG underscore Dolan. Love those top three lessons 
from 2022 from a fantasy football perspective. Very, very valuable information and insight going into next year. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. You can always check us out at youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Chad Henney was awesome on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. We'll have Greg Cosell on the RTFP tomorrow. John Hansen's fantasy lessons learned next week. Then we'll get into free agency. It'll be here before you know it. I'm stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.